Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 to 17 is what we're looking at. I have been praying for every one of you this morning, actually all week long, as this was all kind of coming together for me. I am overwhelmed by the Word of God. That's all I can say. It's just, I'm in awe. So if you would please follow in the reading of this holy book. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, uh, I just praise you for all that you have shown me in this. Now I beg your throne. Don't let me make a mess of it as I give it to my friends, my brothers and my sisters. Father, uh, as we just sang, uh, may they not see me or hear me. May they see you and hear you in Christ, in Christ alone. Amen. We are in Ephesians, and I shared with you when we started in chapter 4, 4, 5, and 6 of this book. The context that you and I are dealing with right now comes out of chapter 4, verse 1. And Paul implores you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. And as we walk through these, I shared with you the first three chapters is your position in Christ. Who you are as a Christian. Because once you get that nailed down, then four, five, and six is your nature. All right. Now I see a whole bunch of people who don't have the first three chapters nailed down, but by golly, they're working hard to do those last three. And, you know, God bless them. But if you could have done that before Christ, then why did he die for you? You see what I mean? So when I think about who I am in Christ, you know, I understand what it is that you walk. We walk in humility. We walk in unity. We don't walk as the world We walk in love. We walk in light. And we walk in wisdom. And we're looking at wisdom now. And we see that the walk of wisdom, a believer has the principles for life. A believer knows the limits. But the believer also knows the Lord's purposes. And that's what we're working through right now. We as children of God know the rules for our lives. And you know this the moment you're saved. All right. Now, it may seem like a conflict or you may be doing why, but every human being has a conscience. And the moment that you're saved, your conscience gets taken over by the spirit of the living God. And now everything changes. I remember before I was saved, me and my conscience got along fine. We didn't have a bit of problem. Okay? 
Then I got saved. Me and my conscience were at war all the time. And I kept thinking, well, why would I want salvation if this struggle is going to have to be there? But as I have grown in the person of Christ, I understand my position in Christ. All of a sudden it dawned on me that, yeah, okay, this makes sense. This makes sense. See, a believer knows the rules for our lives, but they also knows that there's a limited time to fulfill these things. I've shared with some of you privately, one of my greatest heartaches is that it took so daggone long for me to get saved. You know, I talked to all these people. I got saved when I was eight. I got saved when I was 12. I got, dude, I was 30, <laughs> almost 30. And I, I, I look at it at times now and I think of all the time I wasted. And yet, I understand the first three chapters of Ephesians. I understand that I was saved in eternity past, uh, before the creation. I understand all of that. But I, I will honestly tell you that there's times I was like, why'd you wait so long? And uh, I always get the same answer. Why are you so stiff-necked? Okay, <laughs> let's press on from where we're at. But I also know what God's purposes are. Now, there's times that I don't see it until after the fact. But I understand what his purposes are. This verse 15 I'm going to wander into. When I, when I study a text... I take it back to the original language so I can see how the words are parsed. Each word is parsed. The Greek language is a fascinating language. Um, the parsing of a word is I can put an apostrophe S on something. Uh, I can put an S on something and make it plural or a possessive. Uh, and do a, But in the Greek language, they parse everything. You can have a conjunction that is parsed. You can have verbs, adverbs are parsed. And so it adds this uh, huge picture. So I understand why the Bible, the New Testament was written mainly in the Greek language because it's like the English language is chocolate, vanilla, and strawberry. And the Greek language is like 33 flavors. Okay? I know you never thought you'd hear the Bible described as ice cream. So... This verse, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. It's two words here. Both of them have the root word Sophia in it. One is Asophia, and one is Sophia. Those are opposites. One is a positive, one is a negative. And it has to do with wisdom. And I shared with you last week, in the Hebrew mindset, when you think about wisdom, it is an action. If you look at wisdom in the Greek understanding, you'll see that it has to do with theory. You know, I theoretically have this great idea, but that doesn't mean nothing. I had a gentleman yesterday at this event I was at, and I, <laughs> he was wanting to be profound in his understanding of spiritual things, and I wanted a hot dog. Okay, so I don't really care about your verbiage. 
I want that. <laughs> and, you know, you have to keep telling yourself, for such a time as this, God has got me here. Would somebody go get me a hot dog? No, <laughs> that's, that's not exactly what I meant. But, you know, I listened to him, and, and then I smiled at him. And I said, if you were wrong, would you want to know it? And it was like, what? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, it's just a very simple statement. If you were wrong, would you want to know it? Okay. And uh, you could tell that he was afraid to answer that. All right. But see, he was professing Christ. It just, I don't know the Christ that he was professing. And I learned a lot. These were bikers. This was a benefit run for disabled vets of Colorado. And I don't pick fights with these people. You know, I'll ask them a question. If they don't want an answer, no problem. I did my part. So when I think about it, I hear a lot of people spousing the Greek mentality for wisdom. Okay. Now, where I grew up, you would just call it, that's your opinion. Okay. And what I've learned a long time ago is that God could care less about any of our opinions. All right. So you have two words here that means the opposite. And the wise person knows the principles that God has given. Life principles. All right. And you know what? Most of them in my life are at complete odds with God's and man's principles are at odds. Okay. I was sharing this. What was I sharing this last week? Don't wear cotton and wool together. The Bible says don't wear cotton and wool together. And you're like, well, that's a, why would you put that in the Bible? Well, because we're stupid. And if you know anything about it, wool is an amazing insulator. And cotton is a very good coolant in the desert. But if you're wearing cotton during the day, you're going to sweat. And then at night, if you throw wool over top of that cotton, guess what? You're going to freeze your rear end off because it will insulate that water to you. Now, you and I, well, okay, but we've got Gore-Tex. Now, come on, people. All right? It's, it's the same thing when you think about don't be unequally yoked. Don't be involved with an unbeliever. Okay? It doesn't mean I don't, my path don't cross. Okay? But you don't get into an intimate relationship with an unbeliever. Why? They serve a different master. Now, I wouldn't recommend going out, uh, Nicole, and saying, well, you know, you're a servant of Satan. I'm not interested. I, that's, I'm not sure that that works that well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dad's okay with that, but you, you, you may. It's, it, it doesn't win, win friends or influence. But, but there are things that God lays out there because you know why? He's the creator. You and I are not the creator. We think we are, but we're not. So when I read something that says do or not, you know, it's like when I was in, uh, I've been in Russia a number of times teaching, and it was an amazing thing in Russia is when you read the Bible, they say amen. 
And I mean, I was dealing with some texts out of 1 Corinthians that women should have their heads covered. And now try that. Try that today. Try this one. Wives, submit to your husbands on Sunday. Okay? Just try those things. But you say it in Russia, amen. Amen. Well, women are not supposed to be in leadership. Well, but you're saying, just tell, I ain't saying none. I'm just telling you what the book says. I do not have women teach over men. Why? I can tell you why, but you don't throw nothing at me. <laughs> women are emotional. And what happens if you've got a very hard decision to make? A heart-wrenching decision to make. Your emotions are going to flare up. Are you going to be clear thinking? We're all clear thinking with our emotions, aren't we? You ever ask yourself a simple question like that? What good decision did you make when you were angry? I'm still working on that one. So, when we walk, we walk in wisdom. The wisdom is the Word of God. It was deposited in your soul and in your conscience the moment of your salvation. If I take you back, I want to show you. This is a totally awesome text. See that word right there for 15? Therefore? I like that word. That always refers back. Back to what? Verse 14. Remember verse 14? For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper! Arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That is a salvation invitation. Did you understand that lost people are blind, naked, and depraved? Did you understand that lost people are darkness? Do you understand what I mean by they are darkness? They're not part in the darkness. They are contributors to the darkness. Okay, that's who you're dealing with when you deal with lost people. Now, don't go up and say, you know, my pastor said you're blind, naked, and depraved and dark uh, because you're already at a deficit. Okay, so, <laughs> and I know some of you, I'm going to make sure I start with that because that's easy. Um, but I, I, people do not understand this because professing to be wise... Their foolish hearts are darkened. If you don't believe me, turn on the evening news. They're all experts. But we need new experts, I've concluded. So walk in this. You go back to the invitation. The invitation is to be saved. If you're going to be saved, then you are going to be in the light. Awesome, isn't it? If you're going to do that, you're going to walk in the love of Christ. And Paul invites everybody at the, that verse 14. Wake up, sleeper. So now, you've woken from the sleep. You've come out of the darkness. You've come out of the dead. If you are now in the light, walk wisely. Okay? The walk is based on what salvation did for you 
the instant that you were saved. You ever seen new Christians? I love them. They are totally awesome. They remind me of little puppies. They are just so enthusiastic. And I mean, they just, and they shake all over. Sometimes they make a mess, but they're still cute as day is long. And then they start absorbing and they can't ever get enough. They can't get enough. I remember the first time I preached in Moscow. I got done. This thing's got like, I don't know. I think it used to be like some kind of theater because it's like three rows, balconies or whatever. And they're behind you and everything else, which is a little unnerving, but you know, you just, all right. But during the message, I can't see that well because the lights are on me. And so you know they're, but you see all this white stuff. And as I kept preaching, I kept noticing that these little white things were falling off the, the, the rows and then you could see them being passed forward. And I was like, uh, <laughs> is this good? I mean, should, cause they got me surrounded. It's not like I can run. So, but when I finished the message, their leadership, their elders would start going through these pieces of paper that people were writing down the questions and then sending it up so that I would answer them. Okay. I had two hours of answering questions. Think you can pull that off in a church in America? See what I mean? And now to me, that's just like, wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, after I figured out what it was, when I said first, I was like, oh, this is got ugly on in here. <laughs> so, but every time that I've ever preached in Russia, I've had to take a lengthy amount of time to answer questions. Which is good. You know what that means? They're listening. <laughs> and that's to a pastor. I've made it. So we are awake now. We are to walk is based on what salvation has done, which means there's times I have questions. Do you have questions? I have questions. There's times I'll read a text and go, what was that? Because we are saved, we walk in a life. This is very important. This text is way more important than what you realize. Or maybe you did know it and I just figured it out. Uh, maybe. Because we are saved, we walk in wisdom. Okay? Now, this is the way my goofy mind thinks. Uh, I Don't we grow in wisdom? I didn't feel like I was real wise when I got saved. I mean, I knew the 23rd Psalm. And the reason that I knew that is that I got one of them little cards at my dad's funeral. And on the back of it had the 23rd Psalm. Now, I carried a Bible. I knew I had a Bible, but I thought it was more like a rabbit's foot. If you keep this around, it, it'll protect you. Okay, if you're thinking growing in wisdom, but it's already there, then you miss the point. Since you are now awake, since you are alive, since you are in the light, you will walk wisely. 
See, at salvation, we have that. Remember the first three chapters. What we are in Christ. At the moment of our salvation, there is a deposit of wisdom in every believer. You are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. Right? Now then, how wise is He? So you've already got it. What it is telling us is that it makes every believer at the moment of their salvation responsible for their lives. Let me give you some verses. A verse that some of you were here back uh, a little while ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I would like for you, you should probably write these down. Verse 30. Interesting. Now, remember the Corinthian church was a mess. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But by His doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Did you see that? When Christ overwhelmed you, invaded you, made you a child of His, you immediately have Christ's wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. It's all yours. Every child of God. Let that ponder for a second. All right? It's all yours. Now, I want to show you something here. Note the order. First is wisdom. Then is righteousness. Sanctification. And what's last? Redemption. You know what redemption is? Salvation. We are the redeemed. Which came first? Wisdom. Second? Righteousness, sanctification. Okay, now, this is the one I get some people just freak out on, and yet no one has been able to refute it because it's what the Bible says. Do you realize that right now, Christian, you are as holy as you're ever going to be? You cannot get any holier. Did you know that? Do you ever ponder that? Do you ever think about it? Now, I don't know what you act like, But you ain't getting any holier. Because if you're not as holy as Jesus Christ is right now, you ain't His. I have been clothed in whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. I'm not in the process of putting on Christ's righteousness. I've already been clothed. Now listen. Three of these come before Salvation. All right? And there are a whole bunch of people 
who seem to think otherwise. And I know part of the reason used to be in our some of our seminaries, our conservative seminaries. I'm not sure anymore. They used to teach a thing called dispensationalism. Okay, and some man in his infinite wisdom, I'll stuff anything I can into whatever I can. But the essence of dispensationalism starts out that a point in your time, point one, you were justified, you became saved. Okay. In the course of your life, you are sanctified. Then you step out of the earthly vessel and you are glorified. And we all sit there and think, well, you know, that makes sense. You know, I think about when I was when I first got saved and then the process of my life kind of cruising along in you know, ups and downs and ins and outs. And then glorification is when I stand in glory with my resurrected body and yeah, I, I can get that. The only problem with that theory, it's not biblical. Okay? I argue that a Christian is justified, sanctified, glorified. That is salvation. Okay? If you read 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says you have His wisdom... You have his righteousness, you have sanctification, and you have redemption. All right? Jesus said, my glory I give them. See what I'm trying to get at? At the moment of your salvation... Okay. Now, I'm not going to get into the theological thing that says, well, I was saved before creation. And all. I'm talking about that moment when you fell down or whatever you did and said, oh, save me. At that moment, you received God's wisdom. You received God's righteousness. You received God's sanctification. And that for you have redemption. I have been set apart because I have been redeemed. All right? You really need to pay attention to the order. The moment you step in as adopted children, the wisdom of God takes up residence in you, and then you are now accountable. And let me tell you something. I believe this with all of my being. If you go to uh, Colossians chapter 2. Verse 3. Now, the context coming out of verse 2, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself in whom are hidden all. You know what that word means in the original language, the Greek language? All. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's cool, isn't it? 
I know, you're like me. Well, I wish I'd have known this a long time ago. But you know what? When I came to salvation, all the church is trying to do is make converts. And I've realized now that that's not right. Because in Christ, I have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Drop down there to verse 10. And in him, you have been, no, have been made complete. You know what I like about that? Past tense. I'm not working on being made complete. I am complete. That is the moment that we come to Christ. At the moment we come to Christ, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, and that is the gift that is all included in salvation. You cannot have salvation without wisdom. You cannot have salvation without righteousness. You cannot have salvation without sanctification. And you can't have the best two out of three. See, I think I shared this a couple of weeks ago with you. This is my problem today. Uh, this is... Uh, Maybe my greatest heartache. Easy believism. Because when you do that, you cheapen grace. All you have to do is be born again. All you have to do is walk an aisle. All you have to do is be baptized. All you have to do is say a prayer. You know, nowhere in Holy Scripture does it say, say a prayer and you'll be saved. And yet we run around telling people, say this prayer and you'll be saved. And so they say that prayer. They feel all better and continue to live like the devil. There's no reality. There's no reality in some of this that people quote salvation. I was with a whole bunch of people yesterday who found out that I was a pastor and they all wanted to come and tell me how great their Christianity was. And ain't none of them close. You ain't going to sit there and do a bunch of shots of Jager and tell me that you love Jesus. I, I don't care. But, you know, and then they get all confused. Well, you know, I'm, I'm a homosexual. I'm saying, good for you. Well, will that send me to hell? Nope. But it's proof that you're headed there. I, th this defies my understanding. But then I look at it, how many generations have been brought up that, you know, I fell into a bad spot in life. Things weren't going good for me. I went to church one day. The guy said, come forward and receive Jesus. And I went forward and received Jesus and everything's been the same. I got news for you. When the Apostle Paul was on his road to Damascus, when Jesus invaded his life, things were not the same. When Peter became overwhelmed by the Spirit of the living God, the big coward went right into the people who murdered Christ and said, You men of Israel, you have murdered Messiah. Where did that bravery come from? There has to be a change. Well, you know, I, I wasn't really that bad a person. You're a fool. 
You were darkness. Okay, see what I'm trying to get at? See the heart that I, I, it drives me nuts. I have people, not so much this year because of the pandemic, but usually in the spring, ask, you can ask my secretary, people call and want to get married in the church. Do you not attend a church? No, no. My grandma was a Baptist, and so we thought we'd go to a Baptist church. <laughs> hey, whatever. And they said, well, and I said, yeah, if you want to use the building, go use the building. Well, how much? I said, well, you know, just make a love offering, and it's fine. I don't have a problem. Well, would you? Nope. You don't do weddings? Not unless you've sat under my teaching. If you haven't sat under my teaching, no. I mean, I've been doing this now for, what, 26 years, something like that? Like I've done five? Why is it I marry people and they move out of state? What is up with that? But anyway, that's a different thing. This easy believism. Listen, I had probably 35 people say, I want you to know, preacher, I believe in Jesus. Now, some of these people I've known for a while, so I can be a little more blunt. If I don't know you that well, I kind of guard myself. You guys didn't believe that, did you? (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) They said, well, I believe in Jesus. I said, that's good. They said, yeah. And I said, James, that letter says that the demons believe and tremble. How you doing? What do you mean? Is believing in Jesus salvation? Christ has made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. That is our redemption. At the moment of salvation, in Him are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you go read Paul's letters, he was freaked out over being in him. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are in him. If I'm in him, then I have access to the riches of his wisdom and knowledge. I think that's awesome. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 instructing us. Okay, now remember what he says. For the grace of God has appeared. Okay? Bringing salvation to all men. Okay, how do I know that? Because it is instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When did that happen? Instantaneously. I remember when I got saved, I was in construction. And I had one of those very colorful languages that construction workers all use. Very awesome, you know. I think you're making up words. But anyway, I had that. And I came to salvation. And any time one of those words fell out of my mouth, it was like sticking my head in a barrel. And just, oh, oh, oh. 
And, you know, and people say, well, you just got a problem with profanity. Is that it? And I was like, you know what? I have a problem with a whole bunch of stuff. But because of his wisdom, I've learned that that's just not really, you know, there's better words these days. Okay? I like the word plethora. Okay? And of course, some people think you're cussing at them. But anyway, you explain to them that's a lot. Because you know what? Verse 13 of Titus says, We are looking for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Now listen, what you see right there is salvation. That is what true salvation is. Do you realize how much wisdom you get instantaneously at the moment of your salvation? Salvation itself, how to live in this present age. That's the moment we are saved. That's that's amazing to me. That's why... If your salvation isn't seen, guess what? It, it ain't there. It ain't there. And I ain't trying to hurt your feelings. I'm just telling you. If I can't see it, you ain't got it. Well, you're judging my... No, I'm judging the way you live your life. Denying ungodliness? See what I'm trying to get at? See why it is a passion of mine? If you are redeemed, you possess wisdom. It's yours. Okay. Jesus said in the Beatitudes, if you hunger and thirst for righteousness, what will happen? You'll be filled. Okay. Some of us hunger and thirst a little more than others. But we always have a hunger for God and for God's Word. If you're saved, hear me. If you're saved, you will have a hunger for His Word. And you will until the day that your faith becomes sight. And then when you see him, you will know as he knows. The Bible tells us we are, that we have all that we need. But you know what I've also found in the Bible? I have all that I need. It's kind of cool. Don't you think that's cool? I think it's cool. But I also learned that there is more if I desire it. Now, that kind of freaks me out. It's just like, whoa, more? The Bible tells us that there's more and more and more. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Okay, I'll take you back to what we studied in the first three chapters. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. In Him we have redemption, okay, salvation. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And verse 8 says, 
which he, this translation says lavished, or it literally means made abundant on us in all wisdom and insight. Think about that for a second. God has lavished on his people. <laughs> uh, that just, it just sort of makes me want to sit down and go, oh, I better think for a minute. What is the limit of his riches? Well, that makes my brain hurt. And he has lavished that on us that we have this redemption that was in his blood. God abounded to us in all wisdom. Okay. You know what that means, right? No Christian is irresponsible for what they do. It's there and it's granted to each of us. First John. First John chapter 2, verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you all know. Okay, the word anointing means smeared. When you anoint someone with oil, what do you do with it? You smear it all over them. So when you read that, it says you have an anointing from the Holy One. You've been smeared by the Spirit of the living God. Drop down to verse 27 of that same. As for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. Can I stop right there? Don't go off on me. Okay, it doesn't mean that God hasn't put gifted teachers in your life. What it's saying is the world's wisdom and the world's philosophy is of no use to you. Okay? I don't need human philosophy or human theory. Why? Because I have an anointing of the Holy One. And in that anointing, I have the wisdom of God. We have wisdom. It is that basis that we possess this wisdom, and that is what is salvation by Christ. So if you're saved, it should be oh so evident. Right? I remember we used to do the thing called the Arkansas Baptist, and every spring the church would get a group of people together, whoever volunteered, and we'd go raft the Arkansas. Well, and we would do this usually probably April or May, somewhere in there, depending on what the runoff was. <laughs> and I remember one of our deacons at the time, he was going down there with us, and, and he, he said, we said, you know that water's like really cold. I said, oh, yeah, that's just melted snow, and it's not been melted long. He says, oh. If it hits you, what if you cuss? I mean, I'll be, I'll be in a boat with the pastor. I said, you won't. He says, 
How do you know that? I said, because it's so stinking cold it takes your breath away and you ain't saying nothing. <laughs> Doesn't mean it ain't crossing your ears, but it's just like... <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it. We have this wisdom. We are no longer fools. So why do so many professing Christ seem so foolish? I know uh, Dr. MacArthur out in California. I remember sitting and talking. He has, well, the membership of the church is about 60,000, but they do several services, usually about eight to 9,000 per service. And we were sitting there talking. I mean, he's been in that church 51 years or something like that. And you just sit there. And we were talking about the catching up of the church, uh, what you would call the rapture. And uh, he was sitting there and he said, uh, he says, I don't think there's going to be enough of us missing that anybody's going to notice. And you sit there for a second and go, yo, Holmes, you know how many people are sitting in front of you every Sunday? And at the time, I thought, well, that seems kind of pessimistic. But as I've walked longer and longer, I believe he's right. I believe he's right. I'm not sure there's as many Christians as Christians think. Because there's way too many of them seem foolish. We live it out. Your salvation is lived out. I know how to deny ungodliness. I know how to exist in this evil place. Okay? I mean, if you would have seen me yesterday in the crowd that I was with, you would have to say, what the heck? But anytime I get involved in these things, I pray. God, let your light so shine that none of these people can deny who I am and why I am. And you know what? After all of these years, they don't deny who I am or why I am. And it's funny because these are bikers. And, 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 you know, I finally got my hot dog. And I, I got up there and, and this guy walked up and blurted out this foul language and then he saw me he says oh I'm so sorry and I thought <laughs> that's cool <laughs> the guy's apologizing for cursing around me okay now listen I don't recommend anybody else go do this I've been doing this with these kind of people I grew up with so and I'm, like I said I pray up before I go into these situations I've done some biker Funerals and some things like this. But, you know, let the light shine. Okay? I remember a friend of mine was going to take out a full-page ad of the gospel and put it in Playboy. And I sat him down. I said, I don't care how many people say they read it. They ain't nobody reading that. And he said, well, but... I, and I said, Spiros, I'm just telling you. I mean, I I don't know if you ever did it, but I just thought, 
There's nobody reading. I don't care who you Everybody can say, well, I read the articles. No, you don't. You might read that little caption at the bottom, but you ain't reading no article. We should, uh, that little Welsh man that I miss desperately, he says we should flesh it out. It should be seen. And our actions, our attitudes. We should strive to get more and grow in our knowledge of Christ. Why? Because the Romans 8 says we were saved to be conformed into the image of Christ. So it would be a really good idea to know who He is and what's He about. So I can grow into that image. We must decrease. He must Increase. Let the Holy Spirit overwhelm us and you will begin increasing in wisdom. And I'm talking about Bible wisdom. Now listen, I'm not talking about Bible trivia. I'm talking about Bible wisdom. Okay? I will, if I increase in Bible wisdom, then I will increase in godliness. The principles are the same. The principles, we know the Spirit of God works on our conscience. You ever had the Spirit of God work on your conscience? The Spirit of God in my life, it's the only illustration I can know emphatically, He convicts me, then He convinces me. Okay? He will convict me that that is not a good idea. And then he will convince me. See, look. I mean, there's so many things that I could share with you that he says in his book. And, you know, there's times. Have you ever heard this? Well, I kind of worship in my own way. Yeah, if I've got time, I'll go to church. Maybe I won't go to church or things like that. Okay? That's fine. What do you do with Hebrews 10.25? What is Hebrews 10.25? It comes right after 10.24. Okay? It says, Do not forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of some, but be there to encourage each other to love and good deeds. Okay? Why is that? Well, I'll give you one. I'll just ask you the question. If you spend time around Christians, what will you act like? If you spend time around lost people, what will you act like? It's that simple. It's that simple. Like I said, the Holy Spirit will convict, but He will also convince you. He shows me things and I read that and you think, well... You know, if I've got my Bible with me and I can pray, do I really need to be in church? But then he convinced me. <laughs> yeah, you better, you better be in church. Remember this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of salvation. It is the beginning of salvation. Also, James 1.5. If you lack wisdom, too bad. 
No, ask and it will be given to you abundantly. Right? Also, one of my favorite, it's actually uh, on a little plaque behind my chair in my office. We proclaim him, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Colossians 1.28 If I lack wisdom, I ask for it. It will give it to me abundantly. Then God has put people in the church with supernatural abilities to do what? To teach you. Why? So that each and every one of us will be complete. Complete. We will grow in wisdom. Why? Because God put this supernatural knucklehead to teach His Holy Spirit. His Holy Word through the power of His Holy Spirit. So, first, if I ask, I'll get wisdom. Two, I need to set under someone who has it. And three, Paul told Timothy, show yourself approved. Study to show yourself approved. Rightly dividing truth that you may grow. Okay? So, I asked for wisdom. God says, great, I put some gifted teachers around you. And those gifted teachers, you can watch their lives. You can watch their teaching. And you will grow in your own studies. It's awesome. It's awesome. And yet each of us has enough to be responsible at the moment of your salvation. Listen, don't claim ignorance. He who is wisdom indwells the believer. Okay? Kind of cool. Isn't that cool? Okay, then I'll close with this last thought. To whom much is given, much is required. That's his word too. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we love you. I pray that we fall more and more in love with you with every breath you grace us. Father, may we embrace your word as I have seen in other countries. That when we read it, it is amen, amen, and amen. So, Father, let us remove our opinions. Let us drink deep of you that we may learn to walk worthy, to walk in love, to walk in light, and walk in wisdom. Thank you, my King. Thank you for what you have been showing me. You never cease to overwhelm me. I love you, Father. In Christ's name, amen.